Welcome to Planted and Flourishing, where we dig in one life moment at a time to flourish into our God-given purpose. Welcome to Planted and Flourishing. I'm your host, Kristen Andrus. So glad you've joined us today. Just a heads up before we launch into this podcast, the content is for mature audiences, so please make sure you pop your earbuds in if there are little ones nearby. We'd love for you to listen first before any of your kids do to determine whether or not you think this is an appropriate topic for them. We're back again today with Jenny Miller, and um, I don't know if you were able to hear the podcast that precedes this one, but if you have not, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one first um, to hear the whole story and to just really hear what God has done in her life, her and her family's life. Um, And so today we're going to continue our our discussion. Um, Jenny was so kind to share with us her journey through her recovery um, from the addiction of porn. And so today she's going to share with us how this affected her marriage and how her and her family were able to come back from this. So Jenny, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thanks so much, Kristen, for having me. Um, and I, hopefully everyone had a chance to listen to the first part of, of my story. As I mentioned in the last podcast, um, my addiction was 11 years long. Five of those years were before I was married, but six of them were after um, I was married. Uh, my addiction started at the age of 17. I got married when I was 22 years old. And we kind of talked last time about that misconception of um, marriage will fix it. Marriage will make it go away. I'll be able to have sex whenever I want. I'm not going to need pornography. Um, it's going to be great. And to be honest, that's that's not true. Obviously, I struggled with this for six more years. Um, I remember when we we first got married. I'm just going to be very candid, and I know my husband is totally fine with me sharing this, um, and his support is is why I'm here today. Um, when we first got married, you think of you know the wedding night, being nervous of what that's going to be like, and honestly, when you're someone that has struggled. Um, with an unhealthy view of sex and you've used pornography in the way that you have, your view of sex is skewed. And so through that honeymoon period, um, everything was great, wonderful. I thought I was good to go. And then, you know, the stresses of life happen. They say the first year of marriage is the hardest. For me, I'd have to agree. My husband would agree as well. You're getting used to living with someone new and all of their quirks and all of the excitement starts to wear and the life and all its stresses and money and um, things around the house you have to do begin to come into play. Um, And it begins to feel the way it did before when for whatever made me turn to it, usually um, feeling alone or isolated would be those things that would be triggers for me to want to turn to that. My husband was a long distance truck driver So he was gone about 90% of the time Mm. and I found myself alone. Um, I wanted to be a stay at home wife and a stay at home mom eventually. So I had a lot of time on my hands and had a lot of loneliness um, that I dealt with. And so I would continue to act out. And I remember those first few times. I still remember the first few times of acting out while my husband was gone, feeling horrible Um, The same feelings I had when I was single of the shame of the guilt. um, But then this overwhelming feeling that I have to hide this. 
Because if my husband finds out, he's going to leave me. He's going to divorce me. He's going to be done with me. Like, I've kept this a secret for five years. I'm going to have to keep this a secret longer. Mm. How um, was that? Looking back, my husband and I have talked about this. Um, and he said he knew something was going on. But couldn't quite put his finger on it. But he knew. And if I was really honest with myself, I I would have said, yeah, definitely something was going on. Because it it would show up in our intimacy together. Not just physically, but when you hide and isolate in sexual sin, you hide and isolate, period. So sharing my emotions, what I was really feeling and dealing with, I had learned to bury all that and hide. And so that began to unravel that intimate connection that we should have of sharing our vulnerabilities and weaknesses with each other. I just became, again, on the outside, making sure I was doing everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, keeping this secret hidden. Um, I, we got pregnant a year after uh, we were married and we moved to our first house out of our, our first apartment, again, thinking a fresh start. But every time we would do make changes in our lives like this, um, it would always come back to the same thing. I have moments of sobriety where I wouldn't act out, but they call that in the recovery world, white knuckling. That's just not at, not acting out, cutting it all off completely. But when you cut everything off, you cut it off and you don't even experience um, the healthy side of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that leads to not connecting at all in our marriage. And then, you know, you can imagine the disconnect in that way and the arguing and fighting and my husband thinking there's something wrong with him and, and me, I'm the one that's denying, you know, all the time denying him. He's thinking it's him. He's reaching out. What can I do? And it's me just hiding more and more. So you can just see where that, that would lead. Right. What a difficult time. It was. Um, then I remember, and I'll just talk about what would be, I consider one of my bottom moments. And there was several of them. Um, we had our first son and I was pregnant. Uh, with my second son and we were in the process of moving our house wasn't selling. It was an extremely stressful time in our lives. Um, We had a lot of things going on um, with our church family and everything that um, was causing a lot of distress. And I remember that drove me so deep into my addiction. Um, And I was so addicted that I was actually waking up in the middle of the night um, to watch porn. And that's, that's the depth that I had gotten to with just needing, um, that, that release. And I remember specifically one time where my oldest son, he was just a toddler, him walking in one time, when I was in the middle um, of viewing porn. I remember just throwing the computer and, and, and just so embarrassed and shameful. And I knew I can't keep, keep this up. I think that was the moment where I was like, I have to do something. Mm. Yeah, because um, like we talked about last time, regardless of how young he was, you know, kids remember things and, you know, just any kind of exposure. And I know, you know, from from your experience as a young child, having been, you know, having experienced the the traumatic experience that we talked about last time, um, you know, with somebody sexually abusing you, I'm sure you were uber aware of your child, you know, wanting to, wanting to be that protection around him. Absolutely. And the whole spiritual component of it as well. Here I am still going to church, you know, um, leading in some areas. And I have this hidden secret that I felt like I was 
passing on this curse on to my children. So there was the physical part of it. Um, but there was also the spiritual part that was eating away at me as well. I couldn't continue to live these two separate lives. It was ripping me apart. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how it finally came out and how you guys were able to step into recovery together. So I wish I could say that my husband was the first that I confessed to, but he wasn't. Um, I think I was so afraid that if he found out, he would definitely not want to be married to me anymore. Um, I remember the weekend I was with um, my pastor's wife. We had just moved to our church that we're attending now um, out of a really bad um, church situation. And we, I remember standing there and I don't even know how the topic came up. I don't even know really what we were talking about. Um, but I remember standing there and this urgency came over me that I just needed to say it out loud. Um, and I don't know what that was. I think it was the Holy spirit knowing that was my perfect opportunity. And I remember just kind of blurting it out, not knowing what was going to happen. There was another um, woman that was standing there and I just blurted it out. I said, I want to do something with this. I, I want to find help. And I remember about a week went by and I had, um, that another, a woman reach out to me that said, thank you so much for saying something because this is a struggle that I've had as well. That moment, that moment, I, it was, I can't even describe it in words. It was like, it was like something sliced through that 11 year silence Mm -hmm. Like this huge weight fell off of me to the ground. And I realized I am not the only one. Yeah. Oh man. I can't imagine the relief. And also, I don't know if validation is the right word, but helping you to feel like you're not alone in this battle. The realization that there are others out there that are secretly compiling and compressing and pushing all this stuff down and fighting this enemy and trying to do it on their own and realizing that there are other people out there that are walking the same road as you. That had to be liberating, I guess is the word I'm looking for to your spirit to know that I'm not the only one. It's not just me because I'm sure you had those thoughts. It was the lie, I think, that pounded me into the ground every time I even considered sharing. I think it was more fear that someone would find out um, because I thought there was something wrong with me, inherently wrong with me, that I was struggling with this issue. And that's why I could never tell anyone because they would they would mm. look at me in such a way I could not recover from that. But to know that there was another woman out there that struggled with that. And, and the funny thing is, Kristen, that was a long time ago. Even today, I I lead recovery groups for women that struggle with pornography addiction. And the number one thing I still hear is I thought I was the only one. And that blows my mind in the world of digital connection. And it's so easy to Google something to find Mm -hmm. out, yes, women, you know, women struggle with pornography addiction. I still hear that. So I feel like the enemy still uses that lie because it works and keeps them bound in silence. Yeah. And I think to the other lie that we also believe is that our sins are compartmentalized by size. Like, you know, this is a small sin, but pornography is a huge sin. But in reality, sin is sin. The Bible doesn't, you know, call a big sin or a little sin. Sin is sin, period. 
And so I think that when we get in our minds, and I think that's a lot of it, is we get in our own heads that this is a big sin that everybody's going to know about, that everybody's going to shame me about. You know, it just plays over in our mind and we build that up. And I think the enemy, I'm sure, fans the flames of all those horrible, unhealthy thoughts that we're thinking completely opposite to what God wants to do in our life. And it just compounds it all to where we start believing that lie. Like you're saying that I'm the only one that's dealing with this problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I remember one of the first things I, I did was I looked to see if there was anything out there, if there was any groups, if there was any recovery things out there for me. Um, and I couldn't find a whole lot but I decided if there's one other person, there's got to be more. Because once mm-hmm. that lie was shattered, I, I knew there, there has to be. So then that took a whole different view of my mind that if I can connect with people that are dealing with this and walk this, I don't even, didn't even know what healing looked like. But if I could just connect with someone else that understands me, then there's hope for change. Mm. Wow, that is so powerful. Just, just the possibility of hope, just knowing that maybe there's a way out is invigorating and it will push you like it did you. It pushed you to find help for yourself and it's pushing you now because you've been there. You've been down that road. You've experienced healing. You've experienced God putting things back together. And now you're making that available to other women that are struggling with this as well. Take us full circle, Jenny, now that you're on this side of all of it. Um, what are some resources that you have found helpful to get you out of that addiction and and also um, resources that you use to keep you where you know you've got to be to stay close to God? So um, I found a ministry. Um, now the ministry is called SheRecovery.com. Um, at the time, the, the leader of that had created that ministry is the only thing I could find online that was dealing with this specific issue. And the founder of that ministry, Crystal, um, also had a similar story of pornography addiction from a child. She uh, wrote a book and in the book, she included uh, 11 or 12 stories of women. Mine got to be one of them. But one of the acronyms that she used in the book was SCARS. And if you think of SCARS, um, when you've had a wound that's healed, a lot of people are kind of embarrassed of their scars. They want to hide them. Um, Mm -hmm. But they also can be a testament of the healing because a scar is a healed wound. And so then people can see it and say, what is that? Oh, I don't have to be ashamed of it. Look, look what God has done. And so she took that acronym and she actually wrote a recovery program from that scars that stands for S for surrender, C for confession, A for accountability, R for responsibility, and S for sharing. And so um, you can go to her website. Um, I'm actually a group facilitator for recovery group, SheRecovery.com. She's written a book called Dirty Girls Come Clean. Um, Also, I got to be a contributor to another book she wrote called 90 Days to Wholeness. It's a devotional book. Um, which she's turned into kind of a coloring book. You know, coloring is the rage still. Um, so you yeah. kind of go through that recovery journey, be mindful as you're coloring and, and contemplating the prompts that are in that journal. Um, another website that's a great resource is captivesfree.org. There is a 21-week workbook 
uh, for women. The interesting thing is that, uh, it's not prominent on the site because it targets men. I may have to write them and say, you need to, to highlight women on there. But if you go to the workbook section, you can find there is a life recovery guide for women. That's actually the study that I went through um, where you kind of peel back the onion layer. You deal with the behavior and then it peels back and goes into the root cause of the behavior and the disconnection in relationships. It's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend it. I think the workbook's like $39. Um, another book is uh, written by Marnie Faree called No Stones. It's a little more on the reasons for the addiction. If you're someone that likes to kind of read into why, what's going on in the brain, um, that's a really great book as well. Um, and then um, there's accountability uh, software out there too. Covenant Eyes is fantastic, especially for our kids or for families, yeah. or even for ourselves, if we just want to be accountable, um, you can use the code come clean for a three days and you're able to install that on all your devices. And it's just a great way to have a line of accountability, um, you know, to not even put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important to instill that in our kids is to be accountable because, the all the rage today is well it's your right to look at whatever you want to look at on your devices but me as a, a parent i'm saying it might be your right but it might not be the best thing for you so let's all be a team and let's help each other out and watch out for each other and so i think covenant eyes is a fantastic tool it's so good another one that i'll add to that is um bark the bark app mm -hmm. is great um, to also install on your kids' devices. Anything we can do to, to make our kids safe, I think is just, I'm so thankful there are tools like that that we have now. I'm sitting here thinking about all these amazing apps that we're talking about, wondering, and, and now fully understanding why my parents did some of the things they did when I was growing up, because we didn't have all this amazing um, software to be able to assist parents in raising kids and keeping our kids safe. So it's all coming clear to me now. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it, accountability is the key. If we're building that value in our family unit of accountability, it's starting with us, you know, yeah. um, and that can trickle down to our kids and really be a family effort. Right. So Jenny, if there is a woman listening to us today, that's experiencing the same difficulties, what would you say to them? Well, I hopefully from what they've heard, they will hear the message that they're not alone um, and that maybe they've been wrapped in silence for a long time. And so finding someone who is a safe person that you can speak it out loud for the first time could be a great first step, that first surrendering. I would say you've probably been trying to manage this on your own for a while. And part of that first step of healing is realizing that we can't manage it on our own, because if we did, we would be over it already. But it just takes that first step um, and walking out and healing. It may seem scary. It may, you may be afraid, like someone's going to find out about the real me. Um, but God can only heal what we're willing to open up about. Um, there's healing when we're able to speak it out loud. So I hope that someone is encouraged and finds the courage um, in doing that. And I'm sure, Kristen, you'll provide information, the links um, to the different places they can reach out to. They could always reach out to me as well. Um, so hopefully that encourages you.
Absolutely. Such great advice. Well, Jenny, as we wrap up, I was just, as you were talking about the, um, the word scars and you were going through the, um, the letters and saying what each of them meant. I wrote a, a, a blog several months ago about the art of Kintsugi. And I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's a, a Japanese art where they take broken pottery and they put the pottery back together, but they do it with gold. Mm-hmm. And so, when they have a finished product, it's this amazing piece of art. And if you've never seen it, if you'll Google Kintsugi, um, Kintsugi art, I think is what it's called, and just read up on it. It is the most interesting thing about how it got started. But it's just such a perfect um, picture of what God does in our lives. You know, we bring him all these pieces. Some are small, some are big, some are, you know, missing chunks and then he just takes his mercy and his grace and his love and he puts us back together. And the finished product is so much more beautiful than what the pieces that he started with. It's just such a perfect example of what God does for us and what he's done for you. And I just, I love your story. I love the the fact that God has just been able to use it to speak to so many women. And I, I know there's women out there that are that are grateful that you're stepping up that you're being vulnerable and you're being transparent and you're saying, Hey, this happened to me, but the story didn't stop with what happened to me. God figured it out and he's still writing your story. And I'm just so thankful to you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for having me. Friends, if you or someone you know is struggling with pornography addiction, here's a reminder of a few of the resources Jenny mentioned today during our discussion. SheRecovery.com, CaptivesFree.org, TripleXChurch.com, and CovenantEyes.com. All of these are amazing resources where you can find literature. There are people ready to talk to you to help you find freedom from your addiction. Take that first step. The first step is going to be the hardest, but once you take it, you will find not only are there people that will help you, people that have been down that road and have found freedom, but also a loving Savior that is standing there with his hands outstretched waiting for you to take that first step. Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, you can find us at plantedandflourishing.com, on Facebook under the same name, on Instagram at plant.flourish, and our email is plantedflourishing at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again soon.